You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Atari, the leader in coin-operated video games, presents Centipede, an exciting new game with high-intensity action and terrific player appeal. Skill and strategy are combined as players use a trackball and a new rapid-fire button to shoot a combination of four different types of targets on a continuously changing playfield. Initially, the game requires a player to shoot away segments of a centipede as it travels down through a mushroom field. Additional points are made by shooting the mushrooms, which also gains the player more maneuverability for his gun. Next, a spider appears, and this target increases in point value the closer it gets to the player's gun. Be careful, and don't wait too long. Well, hello and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, wherein we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul, and I am not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. I think it's obvious today we are talking about centipedes. From that introduction at the beginning, centipedes and millipedes. I do think it's funny that you got that, that thing where like do does anybody describe a video game anymore these days <laughs> <laughs> yeah like this is a video game you are sitting at a machine there's a little guy that represents <laughs> you and there's these tools like buttons and knobs that you twiddle to make your little guy do things <laughs> yeah that was that was a little uh, promotional video i found on youtube it was like the the makers of centipede wanted to sell this machine to arcade owners so they would yeah. put out this little v- vhs thing to to sell their game yeah yeah, yeah. it's a little psa yeah. What is a video game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now that doesn't exist anymore. No. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, Centipedes well. and millipedes, but first, the news. the news. Yeah. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. This news story is not about centipedes or millipedes. It comes to us from Grant from the We're Just People podcast, which is a delightful little podcast that I love so very much. So thank you, Grant, for this news story. And everything we're going to say is alleged. We're just going to just keep the, the word allegedly in your mind while, we're, while I'm talking about this, this story. So it's just everything's alleged. A Florida couple called Edmund and Gloria Lancaster visited a truck stop petting zoo in Gross Teat, Louisiana, and they have been charged with criminal trespassing and violation of leash laws. They claimed that a camel reached under a barbed wire fence and grabbed their dog. Gloria crawled under the barbed wire fence of the camel's enclosure to save her dog. The camel allegedly stepped on her or kicked her and then sat on her head. <laughs> She told the deputies that in order to save herself, she had to bite the camel's testicles. The couple claimed that the camel was the aggressor and that Gloria suffered abdominal 
shoulder, arm, neck, and head injuries. A surveillance video supplied by the truck stop told a very different story, though. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It does often, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Several dog treats were found in the camel enclosure because the couple were allegedly tossing allegedly. those treats over the fence at the camel. Mm-hmm. The unleashed dog went after the treats, and it was Gloria that invaded the camel space, not the camel invading Gloria's space. Allegedly. You're allegedly kidding me. <laughs> this allegedly never happens. Yeah. Animals don't allegedly attack people for allegedly no reason. <laughs> My favorite part of the article said that uh, the camel's name was withheld to protect its identity. Ah. <laughs> uh. I think maybe that truck stop has more than one camel. That's interesting. Why yep. do you have a camel at a truck stop? Guys, come on. It's it's a truck stop petting zoo in Louisiana. I have no <sighs> idea. I'm telling you. The people at the animal um, rescue center here in Colorado, the, the wildlife rescue, are, are like, oh, oh, God. Yeah. Why? <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> it may it may have been I don't know the, the history but but you know it may have been somebody's pet camel that they couldn't take care of anymore and it's just uh, wound up at this petting zoo truck stop <sighs> gross teat Louisiana. Blech. So yeah, keep your dogs on a leash and don't be dumb at petting zoos. Yeah, for real. <laughs> that's the that's the moral of that story. <laughs> what are you doing, people? <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. All right, just a reminder, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Varmint's Podcast, all one word, and at Podcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestiones. I have fallen mightily behind on our Pinterest board, and I do apologize. I don't know if I'll catch up or not. We'll see. I may quit talking about it. We'll, just, we'll see if I can catch up. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I really we'll like see. it. I like it. I just haven't had time. Hey, we have merchandise. Go on over to tpublic.com and put our name into the search engine there. You'll see all sorts of stuff. Great merchandise for you and your varmints in your house. So do that. Do it. Um, if you like our show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to a podcast? We are everywhere podcasts are found and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. And we have a Patreon, and we have people that give us a little bit of money every month through that Patreon, and we want to take the time to thank them so much for their support. We do appreciate it. Uh, we have been uh, delayed, and we have been... <laughs> tri trials and tribulations have beset us, and we have not been able to record as often as we wanted to. And But here we are, and we appreciate your support so much. Uh, and your patience too. Like, like we really, really do appreciate it. Patreon.com slash varmints. If you want to give us a couple bucks every month, we really do appreciate it. Yep. It's hard. It all goes back into the show though. We don't make any money. So. Yep. Absolutely. We do our best to try to show up, but life has been <laughs> really ridiculous recently. Kicking us right in the butt. Right in the teeth. I'm telling you. <laughs> in the butt and the teeth. Yeah. Life is like. <laughs> Both ends. Our life is manhandling us like crazy right now. Ugh. All right. Let's get going and talk about some centipedes and millipedes. Little cro crazy gross guys. Why yep. not? Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever wondered about animals? 
What do they look like? Where do they live? Why are some of their legs also hands? Well, we have. <laughs> so it's time to learn about animals. And some of their legs are also hands. That's... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oddly enough. <laughs> so we are talking about centipedes and millipedes today. They are both arthropods with long segmented bodies and several pairs of legs. Centipedes are in the class Chylopoda, and millipedes are in the class Diplopoda. Centipedes occur throughout the world's temperate and tropical regions, living in soil, beneath fallen logs, stones, and other leaf litter. There are four main orders of centipedes that have been recognized with around 3,000 species described so far, which means there is a lot of vari variation in size, color, and behavior, and they're continuing to find new centipedes all the time. The largest centipede that we know of right now is called the Peruvian giant yellow leg centipede. The megapede! <laughs> <laughs> it reaches a length of 12 inches or 30 centimeters, and it looks like one of those rubber toy centipedes that you sometimes see in toy stores, the big gnarly ones. That's yeah. what this thing looks like. It's Oh, gross. that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Millipedes also live in damp, dark places, usually under some sort of cover. They can also be found in deserts, caves, and grasslands. There are approximately 12,000 named species of millipede, classified into 16 orders and 140 families. Wow. Millipedes have been crawling around this plant for some 450 million years, and that makes them one of the oldest known land animals. Oh, what is it with bugs, man? They're like, we've been here forever. They won't die. They just nah. won't die. They'll be here long after we're gone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Again, sizes, colors, behaviors vary greatly because there are just so many species. The giant African millipede can grow up to 15 inches or 39 centimeters in length. Oh, dude. Yeah. That's a megapede. Another megapede. A megapede. Megapede. The name centipede comes from the French who combined two Latin words, centum, which means a hundred, and ped, which means foot. And I think centipedes do have a hundred feet. Yeah, I think so. The term millipede is widespread in popular literature, but among North American scientists, the term milliped or diplopod is used. But for the purposes of this show, we're just going to call them millipedes because everybody just calls them millipedes. Yep. Male, female, and baby centipedes are all called just that. I could not find collective nouns for either centipedes or millipedes. They're just centipedes and millipedes. Yep. Millipilla and millipillipedes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Mildipildipede. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I can't. I don't know what's wrong with me today. <laughs> Mil <laughs> Mil you can't even. <laughs> Mil <-dipildipedes>. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. Uh, guess what? Scientists have found out some more stuff about the neurotoxin that allows centipedes to tackle and eat prey that are up to like 15 times bigger than them. Wow, okay. So before you do that, should we play the jingle? Yeah, the jingle. Alright, let's, do, let's it. do the jingle. 
Ooh, I don't feel too well. I'm feeling strange in the jungle. Ooh, I don't feel too well. What could it be? Could it be an animal? If it bit you on the leg, then it's venomous. If you ate it for lunch, then it's poisonous. If it bit you on the leg, then it's venomous. If you ate it for lunch, then it's poisonous. Well, it bit me, so I put it back. Call an ambulance, I've got a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> Frosty, I love you so much. <laughs> uh, it bit me, so I bit it back. <laughs> I've got a heart attack. Uh, yes. It's my favorite. Uh, I love that jingle. Thank you so much, Stacey and Frosty. It's our favorite thing ever. Yep. <laughs> uh, okay. The neurotoxin in centipedes allows that poisonous predator to subdue a mouse within half a minute. Crazy, right? Wow. Scientists have figured out this peptide within the Chinese red-headed centipede's venom that is the reason for its lethal bite. It interferes with ion channels within the nerve cells, and it allows the centipede to take out creatures many times its body weight in a matter of seconds. It's pretty interesting. Wow. Their findings might help figure out a treatment for people bitten by centipedes. So Ren Lai, who is at the Kunming Institute of Zoology in China, said that the capture efficiency of this species may be the highest among all reported venomous animals. <laughs> <laughs> this centipede hunts by grabbing its prey and biting using its venomous claws. It weighs just three grams, but it can immobilize a 45 gram mouse. And there's a video of this on the internet that is disturbing for some people. So if you are disturbed by such things, don't watch it. It is a little bit spooky. Yeah. But the venom is a cocktail of toxins that basically they disrupt the victim's cardiovascular, respiratory, muscular, and nervous systems all at once. Just kablam! <laughs> <laughs> And they actually identified one peptide, which is actually called the spooky toxin, that is responsible for the particularly rapid, deadly effect of this venom as it interferes with a family of potassium channels in the nervous system. Lai says the peptide shows no resemblance to any known animal toxins in protein databases. So that's pretty interesting stuff. Wow. Yeah, it is. Yep, I'm going to link the whole article for you guys to read about in the show notes. But yeah, it is pretty interesting to find more information about this super deadly neurotoxin in centipedes. That is crazy. It's just crazy how much information we still don't know about stuff. And it's like every t you always expect... I don't know why people are like, well, you know, we know most things. And then scientists are like, nope, we don't know anything. And here's a new thing we just found out. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're constantly, they're, they're finding new animals. They're figuring out what an animal's adaptation is for. Yep. You know, it's just, it's amazing. I love it so much. How it works. Yeah, it's yeah. incredible. It's amazing. Makes me wish I was an expert, but I'm not. Nope. Alas, we are not experts. Alas. Alas. I love that word. Alas. Millipedes in general are not considered to be either poisonous or venomous, but they do create and use chemical weapons to deter predators in ways that are still not completely understood, like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Not every millipede can produce noxious chemicals. Many of them simply will just curl their bodies into a tight ball like a roly-poly, 
mm-hmm. which is a bug that we're going to talk about someday. But they'll curl their little bodies into a ball and, and just kind of ride it out. But millipedes in two orders, Glomerida and Helminthomorpha, can create a vast array of chemicals, including alkaloids, quinones, ketones, terpenes, esters, and phenols. So without turning this into a chemistry class, all of those chemicals either smell bad or are some sort of irritant or acid. And so they've been doing this for a long time. They know this because fossils of ancient millipedes that don't exist anymore have ozopores, which are the openings in the body through which these chemicals are excreted. Right. Modern millipedes have glands that force out these chemicals, and they also have these ozopores. Some millipedes force the chemicals out after rolling up into a ball. Right. So they roll up into that ball and they squeeze and then the chemicals come out. Yep. But producing these chemicals can be really expensive for some species of millipede and it can take up to four months to replenish their chemicals. So it's a last resort kind of thing. Like when we were talking about skunks and their spray, Uh they really don't want to spray you. Right. Kind of the same thing with millipedes. it takes too long to... It's expensive. Yeah, it takes too long to recharge. Some millipedes either let the chemicals just ooze out and some larger species can shoot their chemicals up to 20 inches or 50 centimeters away. And scientists don't know exactly how they do that. Hmm. We mentioned quinones as being a chemical repellent. One group sprays out benzoquinones. These chemicals are solid at normal environmental temperatures. And millipedes are kind of tiny. So... Nobody really knows how the millipede liquefies those chemicals, but they do. Wow. There is one species of millipede that lives in Washington State here in the United States that can produce phenolic compounds that can be detected by humans standing six feet or two meters away, even though those millipedes are only about a centimeter long. Wow. It's pretty great. That is. And finally, one of the largest orders of millipedes that contains about 3,500 species can produce hydrogen cyanide, which will kill you dead. It's that kind of cyanide. A single aphalora millipede weighing about a gram can produce up to 600 micrograms of hydrogen cyanide, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's actually more than enough to kill a small bird or a rodent. Wow. Yeah. Even being in the same confined space with these millipedes will kill many species of ant or small vertebrate. And in a very handy little adaptation, these millipedes are biochemically resistant to cyanide. So if they inhale their own chemicals, their body just simply converts them into other harmless chemicals. Oh, that's so weird. Yeah, and again, nobody really knows how they do this. Because the little centipedes and millipedes are just full of mystery. Wow, that's crazy. Crazy. Awesome. It's disclaimer time. The Varmint podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence. But then again, we only have the yardstick of ourselves to go by. So we're going to do it anyway. Donna. Yes. Who the hell knows how smart centipedes and millipedes are? I don't, but I would (laughs) suspect it's like... A one. Yeah, one or a two. Whatever you gave mm. jellyfish, probably somewhere Yeah. Somewhere in there. They don't need to yeah. be smart. I mean, it seems like they probably are smarter than a jellyfish, so maybe two? Maybe a two. Yeah. Whatever. They just need to be little, little toxic, poisonous little 
book things. Little book. Millilipedes and sentimentipedes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why their name isn't entertaining enough for me today. I can't answer that question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's not why I'm here to figure these things out. <laughs> anyway, meh. No, I don't think they're that bright. Yeah, they don't me need neither. to be. They're gonna be here long after we're all gone. That's like right. We're saying so. Ah, whatever. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are gonna talk a little bit more about centipedes and millipedes, but we're gonna do that right after this. Whether you're fly fishing in a stream, getting those ankles wet. Or deep in the ocean, casting nets, fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. Just for the hell of it. Fried in a basket or broiled in a pan. Eat it raw like you're in Siam. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. Fish nerds. It's a podcast. It's a podcast. I love the fish nerds. Me too. Hey there, everyone. Paul and Donna are a couple of nerds just like you. And they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time. On movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. For as weird and poisonous and toxic and gross as they are, like, there's not a whole lot of centipedes and millipedes in pop culture. Like, at all, really. Yeah. There's only one very obvious reference that you're going to talk about in a minute. Yep. I'm going to talk about why you should not kill house centipedes. Do it. Yeah, we don't get house centipedes here in Florida, but in a lot of other places, they're very, very common. They are frightening and they're gross, and if you see one in the house, the temptation is to get a shoe and, and smack him, right? Yeah. And I, and, and I look, I get that they're they're weird looking and I would probably be startled if I saw one too. So it's this is going to be hard advice to carry out, like to practice, but just listen to me. Okay. That these guys are very useful. House Ooh. centipedes do not carry disease, but they eat insects that do carry disease. They have a very, very high metabolism, and they are constantly on the hunt for ants, termites, silverfish, bedbugs, and cockroaches. Hmm. So it's recommended that if you encounter a house centipede, gently just try to scoop it up and place it outside, and it will continue to eat all the same bugs around the outside of your house. And if you don't want them in your house at all, you just do what you would normally do for pests, which is make sure that all your windows and doors have good seals, you keep things clean, you make sure that there are as few food and water sources as possible, and you you know, you, you should be able to keep most house centipedes or any other bugs out of your house. The bugs are gonna find their way in, one yeah. way or the other. But at least with these guys, they don't jump and stuff, you know? They don't jump, like they're you, not gonna you give can you get them yeah. to crawl onto a paper towel and then take them outside. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. Everybody yeah. can do that. I've only ever seen one, um, but it was outside. So it was outside and it was already nighttime. I was sitting out on the patio and there's this little centipede. It was actually kind of a big centipede, like <laughs> two and a half inches long or so. Oh, probably. my goodness. Like, like much bigger than I would have thought for Colorado because 
we have no water here, so we don't really have big bugs. Um, yeah. <laughs> you need water to get bigger bugs. Um, but it was, it was pretty long, and I was kind of impressed. I was like, dude, you're really making use of the water, you know? Yeah. Is it yeah, weird yeah. that I wish there were centipedes in Florida? Not that we um, need them, but... No, it's not weird. It's just you'd like to see one. I would. Like, oh, I'd like to encounter a gross little sentiment bead <laughs> <laughs> outside. Like, oh, hello, sentiment bead. <laughs> How you doing? Fine, just crawling along, eating some silverfish. <laughs> Shake its little hand a hundred times. Yes, <laughs> or shake each hand once. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Pretty good. What's going on? Not too bad. <laughs> by the time you're done shaking all the hands, it's time for bed. You yep, know? pretty much. <laughs> okay, see ya. <laughs> ah, what is wrong with me today? I do not know. Nothing at all. <laughs> that is not why I'm here. I might be quoting a Saturday Night Live skit a little bit. Um, okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk about, obviously, Centipede the Video Game. Yes. Centipede the Video Game. I was playing the Centipede Video Game, and you can hear Paul's going to play in the background just some sounds of the game. Yeah. Being played. And uh, I was playing it at the, at the arcade. Me well, too. Hanging out with my friends. So, yeah. Back in the days where your parents would give you a roll of quarters and get ready for a while and then Yeah. Yeah. And, and then I think I think it when I, I you know you're an adult when you realize that your parents were giving you a roll of quarters for a reason. You know, like <laughs> Yeah. They get to spend time uh, together without you. Yeah, and then 40 weeks later you have a brother or a sister. That's right. <laughs> 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 Oh, roll of quarters. Now what do parents do? They have nowhere to send their kids. They're like, get out! (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Centipede was like, I don't know, it's probably on my top five. So I think Gauntlet was number one, but you don't want to play that alone, right? You want to do that with your buddies. Yeah. And uh, because it was the first MMO, I think. (laughs) Yeah, sure. If you want to be technical about it. And then um, I liked Ms. Pac-Man and I liked Galaga. Um, so Centipede was probably like fourth on the list. Fourth or fifth on All the right. list of, of stuff that I wanted to play. What about you? Um, it was the game that I was the best at. Like I, ah. For some reason, I'm really good at Centipede. I have no idea why. So it was my favorite game for that reason. Because I was actually good enough at it to where I could put my little initials on the high score screen pretty consistently. Well, you should have talked about Centipede, and I should have talked about not killing the centipedes. See? Ah, well. Because it was your favorite game. Well, let me tell you how it all came about. It, sure. Um, it was produced by Atari in June of 1981. Amazing. It's so long ago. Oh, wow. my God. I was 12 when this game first came out. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. It was designed by Donna Bailey and Ed Log. What a great name, Ed Log. <laughs> oh, Mr. Log. 
It was one of the most commercially successful games from the video arcade's golden age, and um, as the guy explained to you in a PSA, t PSA tone of voice at the beginning, you fight off centipedes, spiders, scorpions, and fleas, competing, uh, completing a round after eliminating the centipede that winds down the playing field. So it was ported to Atari's 2600, 5200, 7800, and the Atari 8-bit family. And it, it was sold to uh, for the Apple II, for the Commodore 64, the ColecoVision, the VIC-20, which I've never heard of, the IBM PC as a booter. Oh my gosh, you had to boot directly into mm -hmm. the Centipede video game. Yep. I remember those days. <laughs> uh, they gave it to Intellivision and the T1994A. I don't remember that either. Yeah, the VIC-20 was actually the Commodore computer that came before the Commodore 64. I had a VIC-20. Oh my gosh, yep. wow. Interesting. Yep. I never had a uh, computer at all until like the 286, so yeah, I was a latecomer to having a PC. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they... Um, the thing is, this is really interesting. According to the game manual, you take on the role of a garden gnome, armed with a magic wand who has to defend the mushroom forest from the invasion of giant centipedes and his friend. And if you look at the screenshot of the centipede gameplay, can you tell that's a garden gnome? No. I can't tell it's a garden gnome. No, it just it... looks like a little, it's just a little marker, you know? I always thought it was like the head of a snake. <laughs> How funny. Ha! No, you're a gnome. You're supposed to be a gardener. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. No, if you look so at funny. it, it looks like a little snake head. It does. Yeah. But it's not. It's a gnome. It's a garden gnome with a magic wand. Okay. 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 All right. Yeesh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pretty good article on Wikipedia that tells you all about what happens in the game, and I'm not going to do that. You guys can, uh, I'm not going to read you that. You can look into it and look at how it works yourself, but it is, it's a super fun game. It was really, really fun. And uh, the reception for it was good. It's one of the favorite classic video games of all time, and uh, still like it today when people buy arcade machines to put in their bars and stuff these days. It's still one of the most highly purchased games. And then um, they had a sequel called Millipede, which was less successful. And uh, I don't, I don't, I remember it happening, but I don't remember ever seeing a machine with it on it or anything, so. No, I, I don't remember it either. I mean, I remember that it existed, but I never really saw one. Yeah. So, and apparently there was also a 3D fantasy role-playing game based on the original game developed by Dark Science and planned to be published for the Atari Jaguar CD under the working title Centipede 2000. <laughs> as a part of the series of arcade games updates for the systems by Atari Corporation, but the project was stopped by Atari six months later due to marketing executives at the company deciding that remaking classic Atari titles was not in their interest. And then they discontinued the Jaguar and merged it with JT Storage in 1996. So the source code of that project no longer even exists, and the only remaining proof of its existence is a short video clip that you can access in the Wikipedia article of the in-game engine that was created for it and provided by the developer. Pretty wow. interesting, huh? Yeah, wow. Yeah, so in 1998, Hasbro owned Atari Interactive released a new version of the game for PC, PlayStation, and Dreamcast. 
and that version looks and plays very differently from the original game with free movement around the map. And, uh, and it has a campaign that can be played in single player or multiplayer mode. That sounds sort of too complicated for this kind of game. Yeah. So, but there you go. In 2011, Centipede Infestation was released for <laughs> Nintendo 3DS and the Wii. And this was, again, a story-driven remake that was set in a post-apocalyptic world and is played from a top-down perspective and has makes of use of motion controls, blah, 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 blah. Again, oh. this is not the kind of game this is, guys, so... Uh, but the fun, but there's a fun addition that you can grow plants in that one that can assist you in battle. So maybe that's kind of fun. Ooh, I might look into that one. Yeah, but yeah. you notice none of these seem to be particularly great sellers. You know? No. So no, everybody's, they... they seem to like just the original, the original, uh, just centipede. Yeah. So. But there are clones of it for home systems that of all sorts of stuff. If it if if it looks like Centipede and it's called something else, it's just a clone of Centipede, which is pretty interesting. There's probably 20 of them. I'm not going to rate them all off, but it's pretty interesting. So uh, in 1983, they released a board game based on this video game. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, it's pretty strange. So it pits two players against each other in a race to be the first person to the opponent's home base with a centipede, right? Oh, wow. Yeah, and each player can utilize a blaster as well as a scorpion and a spider to slow the opposing centipede's advance. Sounds like a sort of a fancy backgammon to me, but but there you go. So cool. yeah. Um, and then in 2017, there was supposedly a new board game based on centipede that was in development. I do not. It was scheduled to be released in fall of 2017, but I don't know if it ever made it. So we'll see. That's it. Um, yeah. There's a couple of other little things that happened around it, but it is it is interesting. It has appeared in other media. Um, in There's an American indie rock band called The Strokes that used the promotional artwork of the game on their 2003 single, Reptilia. It appears in the centipede appears in the film Pixels. And in the Samurai Jack episode, Jack is Naked, the underground city is serviced by a network of centipede trains, which are revealed in a runaway train sequence to be controlled by a trackball. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I love little cool. Easter eggs like that. Yep. There's just all sorts of stuff like that. And we will link the Wikipedia article, which was the best one that we could find on it that covered pretty much everything. But if you're really a Centipede fan and you want to read all the various articles that are connected to this product, there are like 46 articles linked to this um, in this Wikipedia biography. So, uh, or in their, not biography, their references. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's like there's like 46 articles that you can go read. Cool, Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Boop -a -doop. You sound like I mean I I sound like a cranky old person when I say stuff like this, but really the original centipede video game with the in the cabinet with the trackball is so good. Like it's probably the best version of that game. Yeah, I mean who knows? It certainly is the best for you, right? For me, it is, yeah. That's how you played it originally, and I mean, I get that same feeling, too. I'll be watching a television show, and they'll have some remake of some really, you know, 
popular 80s song that really meant a lot to people at the time and and they won't use the original they'll have some some outfit that's modern yeah do a remake of it and i just feel like eh, it's not as good you know yep yeah <laughs> and i'm sure it's just because i'm old and cranky so yeah we're old and cranky yeah what we are, are gonna do we can't help it mummy what's for dinner it's the elbow of a snake. Honey, <laughs> I can't eat that. Well, would you eat that? Oh. Thank you, Monty, Monty Frosty. I love it. Monty Frosty Python. My- <laughs> Back in 2002, the New York City Department of Parks and Recreation put out a guide where it uh, it talked about all the edible bugs that were available in in the parks in New York City and mm. they it strongly advised not to eat centipedes or millipedes do not eat them right and i think right. with, with all the toxins and Good. poisons and chemicals I, I don't think i would either yeah that's probably not a good idea i don't think i have to I ask you i know people you. are really trying hard to get the no way would i eat that. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. I just think it's so i get it how people are trying to find alternate sources of protein and there are lots of really good reasons to do that i get it yes but i really don't think you're gonna get western people to eat bugs until it's an absolute emergency yeah you know i'm just i know i wouldn't so you know, I yeah. think a lot of people in our culture probably feel that way, and it's not right or wrong, and it's not judgment culture on other cultures that eat bugs. It's just we just don't do that, and I think it might be really hard to convince people. <laughs> yeah, and I, maybe I, I'm just old and cranky. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's just hard to convince old people, and you can convince the young people to do it. I don't know. So I don't know. I don't know. But that's all we got. I mean, if it weren't for all the toxins and poisons and stuff, I they might be in my food box. Not going to lie. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, everything's in your food box, so, <laughs> you know. You'll do better in a post-apocalyptic environment than I will. I will. I'll be like, Ew, I don't like that brand of, <laughs> of bugs. Yeah, that one has too many legs in it. Yeah, <laughs> all picky. <laughs> Ah. Well, let's figure out our animal facts. Yes. Mama always said that ponies can't dream. Yeah, well, <laughs> I heard that dogs are made of rope. Our animalologists have been working tirelessly at Did your local library yes. to combat She's this like, information oh and bring God, you this edition it. of Animal Fact of the Week. <laughs> She's like, dogs aren't made of rope. They're made of annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) They're made of get that thing away from me. Yes, and apparently in some parts of the world, you're not even safe in the water. Because a couple of years ago, scientists (laughs) described the world's first known amphibious centipede. Oh my gosh. It grows up to eight inches or 20 centimeters long. And like all centipedes, it is venomous and carnivorous. An entomologist who was on his honeymoon was, of course, looking for bugs. Of course. And he turned over a rock near a stream, and he saw the centipede, which he described as horrific-looking 
very big with long legs and a horrible dark greenish black color. Oh, no. When he uncovered that centipede, instead of escaping into the forest, the centipede immediately escaped into the stream and it hid itself under a rock underwater, which is not what centipedes do. Mm-hmm. He recaptured the centipede, he put it in a large container of water. It immediately dove to the bottom and swam powerfully like an eel. When he took the centipede out of the container, the water rolled off of the centipede and it was immediately dry. So he brought the centipede home with him to his job at the Natural History Museum in London. Two more specimens were collected and DNA analysis confirmed that this was a new species and they named it Scolopendra cataracta from the Latin word for waterfall because that's where this centipede was found. It was found near a waterfall. Wow. This entire species is known from just four specimens. So the good news is that if you do not have to worry about running into the centipede unless you live in or are visiting Thailand, Vietnam, or Laos, that's where all four of these specimens were found. But like we said at the beginning, they're finding new centipedes all the time. So doesn't sound like there's a lot of them either, that you would encounter them a lot anyway. So If they only know. came up with four of them? Yeah. 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 So, but still, super interesting. Amphibious centipedes. Ooh. Great. Nisha's adding into the conversation. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to tell Nisha, puppy, about the role of millipedes in tropical ecosystems. I bet you didn't know they had one. I didn't. The U.S. Forest Service does research all the time about all sorts of things. And in this instance, they did some research on millipedes to find out what their impact was on the tropical ecosystem. So it's important for places like where you live. Yeah. What they said was diplopods can influence the decomposition of soil and leaf litter and stuff directly by fragmenting the leaf litter and indirectly by affecting the microbial biomass. So Forest Service scientists investigated direct and indirect effects of millipedes on decomposition in a subtropical in a subtropical wet forest in Puerto Rico. They studied the influence of the substrate and I'm reading directly from the article because it's very short and it'll be too confusing if I try to reword it. So they studied the influence and the substrate or of the substrate by using three leaf species with varying leaf mass and leaf area ratios and the effect millipede density has on the previously mentioned direct and indirect effects. Okay? So what they found was that the remaining leaf mass and leaf area were the lowest in the species with the lowest mass to leaf area ratio. And that means that significantly less leaf mass was remaining from microcosms with the highest density of millipedes. So they're eating more stuff, right? Yeah. So what it means is that soil microbial biomass was significantly higher under the leaves belonging to D. excelsia than for the other litter species, but the microbial biomass did not significantly differ among different millipede densities. So the effect of the millipedes differed depending on the lingen content of the litter species where the litter species were looked at, and the ones with the highest lignin content 
uh, have it has significantly less leaf mass remaining within the millipedes than without at the last collection. So what this means is that litter species and the density of millipedes significantly affect the soil pH. And it shows that millipedes have a direct effect on the decomposition by fragmenting the leaf litter and the effect depends on the litter quality. So the results also suggest that millipedes have little or no indirect effect in terms of influencing the microbial biomass, but their effect is direct. Like it, they're really, they, they do mean that you're gonna have one different kind of soil if you don't have millipedes in it. So, wow, that's Yeah, you're gonna have, it sounds like it's not as good, not as good of a biomass in the soil if you don't have millipedes munching away on the leaf litter. Huh, well look at that. Yeah, so I know that was quite quite a dense scientific, full of scientific termy article than we usually do, but, uh, but you can go in and read it for yourself if you have any confusion. But basically, your soil will be better if you have millipedes. Yeah. Is what it basically means. Yeah. So. Little gross millipedes are doing good in the world. Little gross millipedes. We love you. Millipedes. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> Look, all the little all the little creatures, all the little gross bugs and stuff, they're good for something. We need them. They got something. Yep. There's, there's something that they're supposed to be doing, so... There you go. There you go. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to our podcast today. This podcast was brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod. Our logo was created by the very talented Imran Javed. Our vocal talent today was by Stacy and Frosty and Justine and Santiago. Risky Cawthon did not look for bugs on her honeymoon. Not that I know of anyway. It's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and they want to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your little Rugrat to hear their voice on our podcast. And today we have Seb. Seb has something to say about millipedes and centipedes. Hooray! Hi, I'm Sebastian and I'm the host of Seb's World of Sports. Millipedes and centipedes. I think that millipedes and centipedes have 100 and 1,000 legs. I think that centipedes have 100 legs because center means 100. And I think millipedes have 1,000 legs because milla means 1,000. And I think that they're pretty gross if I were to touch them. (laughs) And they look kind of slimy to me. But I've never touched them. And I've never seen them in my life. Have you ever seen a millipede or a centipede? Well, I think that centipedes and millipedes are pretty cool, but I would not like to touch one. What do you think? I think they're gross because they are slimy in the pictures I've seen, and I wouldn't like a thousand and a hundred legs crawling on me. Yeah, no. That's why yeah, I think I mean it's gross, but I think it's cool, or they're cool because they have so many legs, and they'll probably be able to go faster than most critters. Having that many legs is pretty cool. And I'd like to have that many amount of legs because I could probably run faster then. But to coordinate (laughs) myself to do that would probably be hard. So I think there are a bunch of advantages and disadvantages with having legs, like a 100 legs or a 1,000 legs. So I think I'd like (laughs) to keep my two legs. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) He, he, He just thought it through. 
Yeah, just thought through all the way. Sometimes when you think things through just kind of out loud, you're like, oh yeah, maybe it's better like just the way it is. Yep, I do that too, all the time. <laughs> and he has a podcast, as he said, he has a podcast called Seb's World of Sports, and it is delightful. So thank you, Seb. Thanks, Seb. That was the best. Thanks, everybody, again for listening, and until next time... Be nice to animals, even Sentimenta and Militilipedes. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production.